For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in to the Keep Prowling podcast. Back once again, I'm your host, DJ Beal, and I'm here with a very special guest. I'm going to say that every time, because they, they're all going to be special, all of them. But I'm here with Jack Taylor from Bay Echo Sports. Very excited. Bay Echo Sports reporter. Just came on, on, on the crew not too yep. long. How, how's things been going, first off, and introduce yourself to everybody so they know, because I'm sure they've heard your voice and they've seen you. Yeah, uh, first off, thanks for having me, man. Of course. It's uh, awesome to be talking about this kind of stuff. I always love talking about the Panthers. Uh, I'm Charlotte, born and raised. Uh, I grew up just down the road, um, you know, in South Charlotte, went to Providence High School. So I've been a Panthers fan all my life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gone through all the, t- the ups and downs. <laughs> and so now coming back as, a, as, you know, actually working in the industry and in the area, it's been a whole different kind of way of looking, you know, at the Panthers and having to cover them from a from a non-biased standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. and try to not get too frustrated with what goes on. But, <laughs> yeah, I got here in, in February, yeah. and then I got here, I think, you know, and then about a month went by, and then we made the trade for the number one pick. Mm-hmm. And so from then it's been, you know, hitting the ground running, and we've gotten to go, you know, to the draft experience was wild. That was yeah. so much fun. And then getting to go to tr- uh, OTAs these last few weeks, you know, the uh, the voluntary um you know, mini camp right before the draft. Mm-hmm. It's been really telling to see just how different of a vibe it is in, in, in on Main Street right now. Yeah, and I, and I always like to say like the city's buzzing around. Oh yeah, not only having the number one pick, but just just that little bit of the energy's up. You yeah, know? the energy is just it, it's it's up there right now because you know when you have the number one overall pick, number one, it's like oh man, this is this is a chance to turn turn everything around. But also there's an added pressure that's like, you know, and I, I talked to, with Lawrence last week about this. Like, it's like there's this instant gratification mindset that everybody has where yeah. they want the Panthers to be good yesterday. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you have to kind of, you know, temper off your expectations of it, you know, and try to, I've been going into it with like a, you know, very low expectations. And I think that it's kind of a double-edged sword because of the last, you know, three, four years. Yeah. It's different than when, you know, the, how the team was made up before we got Cam Newton, obviously it was the season right beforehand was brutal. It was awful season, one of the worst, the worst season in franchise history. So there was that aura of like we need to win now, but it wasn't as aggressive because it wasn't three, four years of just mediocre and, you know, head scratching football. So I think that's where it kind of comes into play. But yeah, yeah, you got, you got to give it its time. Now, and and two, because you said, you're, you're a fan also. Yeah. So how hard is it to cover the team that you love? Because you, you do have to take that kind of – you have to take your bias biases out of it. You have to kind of just be impartial. But in, in, in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, come on. We can – you know, you got that, yeah. that little bit of chin in the back of your head. Yeah, and I think that, you know, honestly, in the same vein, like when I was obviously growing up um, and then like my senior year of high school was – not to date myself, but my senior year of high school was 2015 going into the Super Bowl. So that was like a whole obviously – ridiculous experience and as you grow and kind of you know mature and also just keep watching football as you go through college and adult life like it was kind of nice because the Matt Rule era like kind of just broke me down Mm -hmm. as a fan so I didn't go into it with as much like you know 
aggression or, or passion about it, I was like, okay, I can just watch this and then walk away from the game and be fine with it. Mm-hmm. So it's been more like, obviously we haven't hit season yet, so I haven't gotten to that air of what it's going to be like when I actually cover competition. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, there was, you know, some starstruck moments when I first started off, you know, the first few weeks, getting to be in like a draft day or, you know, or getting to be there out on the practice field. There was definitely some uh, some crazy moments where I was just like, is this really what I'm doing right now? Yeah. But I think with sports, it's, you know, it's different because, A, we're not, you know, we're not covering any sort of competing market in the area. Mm-hmm. So you almost, not that you get to have an air of bias, but you can kind of like lean a little bit more. Like you want the team that you're covering to do well. That makes yeah. for better TV, depending on, on who you are. You know, some people say that, you know, the worse the team is, that makes for yeah. some better, you know, interactions. But I think that uh, it's going to be interesting just going forward into the season. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time when I was in college covering the team that I grew up watching in college as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of already got a bit of a taste for how that goes. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Well, and I will say this real quick before we get into the main topic. I covered my the high school I went to and the rival high schools that I went to before mm-hmm. I came here. And it was interesting because I found myself kind of in a way like rooting for the rival high school too because I wanted to see them do good mm-hmm. you know I would, you know, kind of like what you just said I wanted to see them do well and it's kind of the same thing I think we want to see the Panthers do well and we want to see them rise to the top of the NFC South because I mean I really I mean you know they're going to schedule and everything like that there's there's, there's a chance there because you know last last year they were what one two games away from mm-hmm. you know hosting a playoff game not just being in the playoffs yeah. hosting a playoff game mm-hmm. so you know it, it's kind of interesting to see like the trajectory of the team and you know we went out to OTAs, which was fun. It was you know, fun to see, you know, fun to see Bryson person see him, see him throw, see Andy Dalton in person see him throw, um, you know, see Hayden Hurst run his routes and stuff like that, see DJ Chart, Terrence Marshall, then these guys, you know, and see what kind of work they've been putting in, right? So what, what did you see? Did you have any big takeaways or small takeaways from uh, OTAs? So I think that the biggest thing from OTAs, obviously the question and the you know thing that's on everyone's mind is Bryce Young's size. And for me, it was, you know, there's a lot of times, like I remember when you were on the field, when I was on the field, like watching Cam Newton play, like a couple of games I got to go to, the the thing that you had to stomach was how giant Cam Newton was compared, like you saw him with like Shaq Thompson or the lineman and he's towering over him. And so you kind of expect that same gut reaction with Bryce about, you know, on the other side of the spectrum. But honestly, I think that it was a bit more uh, of a calming thing to see where when I was watching him running around, and obviously they're just, you know, in shells. They're not running around with shoulder pads or anything. But he didn't seem to me to look... Like, I I wasn't watching him and going, wow, he looks a lot smaller than everybody else Mm -hmm. while he was running through, you know, the plays they were running. Really, it wasn't until, I guess, like, you know... The press conferences, you know, where I'm like, okay, yeah, he is a, a, a tinier guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a, definitely a good thing to see. Um, outside of that, Terrace Marshall has been yeah. really, you know, one of the bigger uh, talking points throughout this entirety of, of OTAs, even really early on. Um, DJ Charks got a lot of, you know, attention in his last week where he was finally able to go. But TMJ, like, when we drafted him, I was confused and I understood why they felt the need to do so, but I thought at the time period, I was I was always the biggest proponent of get a lineman, get a lineman, get a lineman. We need an offensive line. It's not going to matter. And uh, for the longest time there, I was confused because, you know, that pick for TMJ, second round, you know, getting him right off the bat, I was like, okay, he was not even the number one or two guy at the school he was at. If you're trying to get, you know, a number one or number two guy, yeah. I didn't see that as a, a real need for us. So, 
that's where I got a little bit confused. And then we've kept looking for him, you know, especially because with having the Joe Brady, you know, connection there off the bat, we kept looking mm-hmm. to see, okay, where's this red zone threat? Where is this big, you know, this big tall guy that we can go for a deep ball threat? And I think like the Bengals game last year was the first time you kind of saw any flashes of that. And so now this team is not necessarily his because obviously with Thielen and Chark coming in, he's going to still have competition. But Reich seems to be doing, he seems to be setting it up for a big wide receiver by committee group for this yeah. this upcoming season, which I think is going to be great. So, but I think that will definitely lean on what TMJ can do, and then how the rest of them can all file forward. Outside of that, um, trying to think, you know, obviously there's the bigger things with like edge rushers outside of Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they seem to, to be content with the guys they have at this moment. Yeah. Um, and with putting in the new scheme, I understand taking you know the time to see how these players will fit into that scheme. Mm-hmm. I think that scheme is good for our defense as it's set up right now. I think it would have been a lot better if Reddick was still on the team. Yeah. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I was a little surprised that uh they let Reddick go. Like, you know, I mean I mean he's still he's still pretty young, like a guy who could you can kinda of put in a couple of different areas. He's kinda of, he's very a very versatile player. Yeah, I think that um one of the biggest issues with Matt Rule was that he was very, very good at evaluating talent and putting, you know, uh, uh, putting a marker on certain talents, and sometimes he went a bit too biased with his temple and his, you know, his <laughs> temple uh, connections or his different connections from other schools. But he was very good at being able to, and as with Fitter, you know, Fitter was obviously that's been the biggest thing from him. But then Rule just had a very, you know, he had a very big issue with coaching guys and retaining guys. Yeah. I mean, the it was very telling when you see guys like, you know, he's telling guys like Carlos Dunlap that you still have to prove yourself. Right. To make a starting roster, and like, you've got a, pro, a multi-pro bowler. Right, like he hasn't already done it time yeah. and time again. Yeah. So Reddick, it was like Reddick and Gilmore, both of them, they would not have, you know, the the money was one thing. I mean, they definitely deserved the money they were given, but they just, I think, also, you know, didn't want to stay around that that mentality. And yeah. so now we're kind of having to, the, the team's kind of having to, to, to pull itself away from that because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like, I think sometimes general managers get an unfair shake because... The GM's job is to put the best players around the team, but the GM's job also is to kind of lean into the philosophies of the coach and the offensive coordinator. You know, so like if Matt Rule wanted certain guys, then Federer's got to put he's got to put the proper guys around Matt Rule so Matt Rule can be successful. But then Matt Rule's struggles could then fall you know fall back on the GM. So it, that that's kind of one of the things that I've been learning as I continue to learn football every day learn learn these new layers because there's so many layers beyond the game and for me I mean I think what I saw in terms of like OTAs and everything it was it was cool to see all the new faces you know there's I mean they made splash after splash after splash in free agency this offseason and made it really exciting to see because you're like oh oh, wow what are the Panthers going to do you know what's the next signing you know how are they going to replace DJ Moore and then they replaced him Kind of like you said, by committee, right? They got veteran Adam Thielen, you know, DJ veteran DJ Chark, right? You know, Ter- Terrence Marshall in there, who who is a guy who's gonna probably make some strides because of the guys around him, mm-hmm. you know, and adding Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. I mean, the, the list can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it, it like, like you said, going going back to your original point about Bryce and his, you know, stature and all of that, because that's the big point of contention that people have, and and you know, to teach to each their own. Uh, but I, I find it, I find it interesting because what I like about Bryce Young is 
his work ethic. Oh, right? yeah. Like, when you listen to him talk, when you listen to him and people are like, well, you know, but what about your height? But what about, you know, are you going to be able to see over the offensive line and all this? He's just like, you know, I've been this size my whole life. Mm. Right? You know, yeah. I think, I think uh, Jeff, Jeff Taylor, who was on a couple weeks ago, uh, I think he, he even said, he was like, you know, he's a guy who's going to come in and say, you know, there's no excuses yeah. for Bryce Young. He's been successful at every level, right? He's been successful in, in every way, and, and the NFL level is not going to stop him. And, and that's what I like about him, you know. And he's got the talent around him. The defense is going to continue to get better, and I, I'm excited just to see what's going to happen. You know, I'm excited for that home opener to number one, see how many uh, fans are jumping up in the stands, but also, you know, just to see, you know, no matter who's out there, just to see this kind of new cast of characters. Um, it's it's very interesting to see, and of course, you know. Uh, I know we talked to DJ Chark in the last days of OTAs last week, and it, it was interesting to hear him say, too, like, you know, these guys are working hard, you know. like And, and that's the one thing I love about OTAs, I love about practice, especially, like, off-season practices, is even the teams that are sometimes overlooked, you can tell they're working hard, right? You can tell they're working their butts off. You know, you can tell they are – I mean, they're, try, they're trying to get to the same level that everybody else is. They're, they're, the, the goal is the same, you know. The goal is the same, but – I will say it's it's very interesting. Speaking of kind of the new cast of guys, the new cast of characters, there's a lot of top free agents out there too, right? There's a lot of you know, of course, there's DeAndre Hopkins who becomes the biggest name. There's Davin Cook who slid himself in there as, as one of the bigger names too, and it, it's very interesting. Of course, Davin Cook is one of those guys you don't necessarily know if they need because they picked up Miles Sanders, right? DeAndre Hopkins, do they have too much in that wide receiver room where DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't fit in there? Uh, what do you think about the because uh, is still out there, right? There's there's edge rushers still out there. Marcus Peters is still out there. If you need some corner depth, what do, what do you think in terms of the free agent market? Like, is there anybody that's kind of a late pickup that could really help the help the Panthers probably day one? Oh, and there definitely is. Before I'll say that, I will say this: it has been you know pretty cool and and pretty interesting for me, especially like to come into the market in February. Starting off now with also, you know, brand new head coach, brand new quarterback. You talk about the new cast of characters. It's almost like getting to grow with the organization. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting to, to do that kind of starting off and, uh, you know, and also then covering it alongside some, you know, some names in Panthers media that I've, you know, followed forever. So yeah. that was really also really cool uh, to do. But when you talk about free agency, I think that, you know, one of the biggest things with free agency and especially with Scott Fitter and just the Panthers in general is that, you know, and you talked about it with how he had to, Fitter had to kind of go and deal with, you know, had to work with Matt Rule, work with the offensive coordinator. And I would love to have been a fly in the wall for a lot of those meetings because we always, the biggest question for the entirety of the Matt Rule era was who's making that final call? You know, when yeah. it's draft day, when it's free agencies, when it's, you know, roster move, when it's, you know, obviously outside of contracts, we knew that was Fitterer. But, like, when it comes to actual roster moves, who was making that final call? Yeah. And I think that, you know, he even alluded to it. He didn't really ever say it on, you know, verbatim. But there was always questions asked, like, how has this process gone differently than during draft, different drafts with Matt Rule? Mm-hmm. Because this was Vitterer's first, you know, draft kind of where he got to be himself and yeah. do, make, you know, the moves. Obviously, it was still a collaborative effort, but he was the one leading the charge is what it seemed to be. And you saw, you know, every guy that we've gotten other than, the one head scratcher in DJ Johnson has the ability to make an impact, you know, right off the jump. Mm-hmm. So for free agency, I think in along that lines, as you know, uh, growing up 
you know, it's always the, you know, the like the meme they would post where it's like the drawing of the dude with the stick, like poking, like, come on, do something. That's what free agency was for the Panthers for for forever. You know, we're not a team historically, the, the Panthers are not a team historically that make that move, you know, that early season move, that early offseason move. I mean, yeah. as far as free agency goes, they take a tendency in the, their history is to either get guys coming kind of the tail end of their careers. You know, you get your... um you get your Roman Harpers or you get your Charles Tillmans, you get, you know, uh, Jared Allen, you know, guys mm-hmm. at the tail end of their careers um, that are, still have some stuff left in the tank. The, you know, biggest name, you know, they've ever picked up in free agency per se would have probably been, and it wasn't even big at the time. I mean, it was big at the time. It would have been probably like Jeremy Shockey mm-hmm. and, you know, then getting Greg yeah. Olson at the same time. I mean, obviously guys like then like Stephen Davis, you know, there was not a whole lot of history of big free agency acquisitions. And mm-hmm. so, for the Panthers to make, like, I, I was not expecting the Miles Sanders move at all. Yeah. I was, that, that that blew me away. And it was crazy because, like, you know, we had, um, we had, uh, we had the guy that we have, um, and his name has escaped me at the moment. Um, Are you talking about Truba? Uh, no, uh, Dante Foreman. Yeah. Sorry, we had Dante Foreman, and yeah. we didn't know what was going on there. Uh, that move was surprising. I mean, the, even the Adam Thielen move, like, Adam Thielen was a bit more along. I was like, okay, I've seen that. Like, we've done that before. We've mm-hmm. gotten it with, like, uh, you know, um, we've gotten up with different receivers like Torrey Smith, you know, yeah. we, at the tail end yeah. of his career, or um, Jericho Cotchery, you know, uh-huh. during the Super Bowl run. We've done that before. And then uh, the Hayden Hurst move as well. That was a, like, that was a big one. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of potential at the so tight end position. Former first round pick. Like, yeah, I mean, former first round pick, you know, and got kind of overshadowed in Baltimore by Mark Andrews. I mean, yeah. How do, you, for, how do you combat that? For good reason. Yeah. And then in Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, too. Like, yeah. what are you going to do there? And then finally was able to kind of make a name for himself in, you know, Cincinnati. Um, so I think that would be a big move as well. But the, And then even just then the, look at the defensive side of the ball. Von Bell and Eric Rowe. I mean, guys that just, you know, names that we weren't expecting to get. And so I think because of that, though, even with the cap space they have, I, I think that it's going to be a while before they pick up another guy. Mm-hmm. I think that. You know, they were. I knew they were going to wait until after the draft. Yeah. And I think that they'll definitely at least wait till, I'd say around, probably post training camp. I mean, it'll be that second. It'll be late into that second round of free agency, if anything. And if not, after that, I could see them, depending upon you know how the year goes. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of teams in the past few seasons, ever since you know the, the Bucks did it with Brady and Gronkowski and getting all those guys, where there's been a, uh consistent pattern of these championship caliber teams picking up these big names in the middle of the season. Yeah. Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown for the Bucks, and then, you know, OBJ and 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 uh, Von Miller for the Rams, mm-hmm. you know, getting these bigger guys halfway through the season because they're trying to make a Super Bowl run. I don't think the Panthers will be at that point this season, mm-hmm. but I could see them getting to a point where they need to make a big name. Yeah. That being said, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is not coming here. It's, it's not happening. He, it's not his hometown team, and they love to say that it's not. Like he, it's just, it's just not. You know, it's. It would be cool. It would be nice. He's a needle mover if he did. Honestly, I, I think it's more of a of a detriment than it would be um, than it would be beneficial because then you know we talk about the guys that we're trying to pull that the team is trying to pull stuff from your yeah. DJ Chark, you know Jonathan Mingo, Terrence Marshall. You can't have all four of them on the field. Mm-hmm. For the majority, I mean, and and then you got Hayden Hurst too. You want to, yeah, incorporate I, him in there. I mean, there's a cast of tight ends. Miles really. Sanders is going to be running, you know, is going to be running routes. I mean, you've got still got guys like Shai Smith. You know, there there mm-hmm. are are too many wide receivers, honestly, in this room for them to add another one. And I think that while he would, 
obviously I think be a you know the best receiver on the team at that point. I think it would just serve. He's not going to stay long enough yeah. to pay the dividends. I think that that would cost. Yeah. And I think I think there's better options for him for what Absolutely. his probably end goal is, which I would say would be a ring. Right. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, Buffalo they need him. Right, Baltimore probably wouldn't hurt to have Baltimore him. would be Kansas ridiculous. City definitely wouldn't hurt to have him because no. I mean what uh, Juju's I can't remember what Juju is but he's gone. Yeah, right. They got uh, Valdez Scantling and that's about it. Like yeah. Travis Kelsey. So adding one more guy into that with the the rookie they drafted and then um, I can't remember the guy they drafted last year. Like there, there's there's room in that wide receiver yeah. room for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. But then too you got Dalvin Cook. Now before they got grabbed Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook would have been a good option. But with Miles Sanders, I don't know if Dalvin Cook fits into that into that room anymore because now you got Miles Sanders um, and you got some other guys backing him up that can really come out and uh, make a really big one-two punch, right? Because I, I know they want Miles Sanders to be a three-down back, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, if having Chuba Hubbard or, or somebody else like spell him out, you know, it's still going to be big. Uh, I do think. You know, I'm always under the impression, both with wide receivers and cornerbacks, you can't have, you never can have enough. Very so true. Marcus Peters is a good one, mm-hmm. right? Because Marcus Peters is a guy who, uh, you know, pending J.C. Horn's health, right? You got Dante Jackson out there. You know, it it really just depends on what you need, and you can. I mean, if Marcus Peters can play a lesser role, that's going to be big for him too. And I think. My thing about Marcus Peters is I don't think last year he had a struggle. I don't think last year was a struggle for him because of age. It was a struggle for him because in week two you threw him out there against Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddell, and those boys, and he was just expected to be 100% mm-hmm. coming off an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. So I think him being a little bit closer to 100% could be a big thing for the Panthers too, just to add a little bit of depth. Um, I know Ronald Darby's out there, um, and – when it comes to like edge rushers, you got Nick Ngakwe, mm-hmm. right? You got Damian Clowney, other guys that you can just add extra pieces too. Because edge rusher is another one where you know you can't have but you can't have a too big of a rotation mm-hmm. when it comes to edge rusher. Like edge rusher is one of those positions where you can throw so many guys out there. That was a reason why there was a NASCAR package in New York uh, a while back. So yeah. you know, I mean, so I mean, I think there's I think there's needle movers. It just depends on what the Panthers want to do because they've already made splash after splash this offseason to improve their team. And I don't know if they expected some of these guys that were out there, you know, that are out there now to be out there then. Yeah, I don't think that they definitely thought. I mean, the Dalvin Cook thing would be interesting because they don't have that, you know, set right now the one-two punch. I mean, that the big bruiser, you know, that they've had, in, you know, with like they had with last year with Foreman, and they've had in different ways, like, you know, the old smash and dash with D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. We've mm-hmm. never had a, a duo since then like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that they've got guys that have the potential. Spencer Brown's been on the team for a couple of years now and has always seen those flashes. He's, you know, six, six, six foot, 200 pounds. So he's got that ability to bust through. Same with, um, you know, there's a new, a new kid that they, they got off a of UDFA, um, Cameron Peoples from App State. And he's a, a you know, he's something, uh, somebody that people would like to see, uh, you know, pop off. And he's the same way. He's six one, I think, you know, maybe 195, 200. Yeah. So they've got the potential for some bigger guys there. Dalvin Cook would obviously provide that in a way. Um, but yeah, I think the running back room is not one they're going to touch. Uh, you don't think they'd grab a Kareem Hunt, maybe? Because he's a guy who's been that number. He's been that number one guy. We've seen, we saw it in Kansas City. He's been that number two guy in Cleveland. And he, and I mean, surprisingly, I think it was more so him personally than it was his talent wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, is why he's not in Cleveland anymore. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think he could be a guy like a another veteran guy you could put in there that some of these younger guys can learn from. I, I agree. I would agree with that. I think that you know. 
with because Miles Sanders, you know, has only been in the league for a few years. Yeah. I mean, he's not been in the league that long. Chuba Hubbard, obviously, you know, has only been in the league for a few years or so. And I, I've always liked Chuba and what he brings to the table. I think the the issue that they're going to get themselves into, and this goes for all of the free agencies, that that twenty seven million, where it is great for where we need to be, you know, top two in the league. But when you get it, I mean, it depends really almost more on the the desire from the player. Like, I think a lot of these guys could fit in the scheme and, yeah. and do fairly well, but it, it depends on the money they're looking for. Like, a Clowney was a name that, you know, he's supposed to be, the, like, the best thing for this kind of scheme. You know, the hybrid guy mm-hmm. can stand up and go on all fours and, and do what needs to be done, but he's going to want more money than, you know, we're going to want to give him. I mean, yeah. with the $27 million, you're going to get this thing where you either got to shove a lot of that money into a big name or spread it around on a couple different bargain bin guys that mm-hmm. can, you know, kind of just be depth chart fillers. Yeah, I think, you know, depth-wise for wide receiver, I think we're all right. The cornerbacks, I just... I've been the same thing, you know, with cornerbacks. We needed to draft cornerbacks. We needed to prioritize cornerbacks. And, you know, they did for a couple years there, and it just kind of turned into this, like, you know, rotating cast of just, like, support that mm-hmm. either didn't stick around or, you know, wasn't able to pan out. So I think that there's no way that – there's no way I think that they can go into this uh, this season without putting someone on the edge or in the defensive back position. And I say it because – They've touted the guys they've gotten, you know, Eric Rowe, uh, Jamie Robinson they drafted, um, guys like Amari Barno and Brandon Smith. They've touted them all to be guys that can go both ways, can do that kind of hybrid stuff. You know, yeah. Rowe and Robinson both have ability in the corner and the nickel position. but And then Barno, you know, has the ability to be a hybrid as well. Brandon Smith has got that speed. Jeremy Chin as well, obviously. But the problem becomes then if you prioritize them doing so, not only like you're treating them as both your starters and your depth. Mm-hmm. So if they're running if they're running there, you know, 45% of the snaps each week, well they're also your depth. So if one of your starters goes down, then you don't then you lose a that piece of your strategy and then you mm-hmm. lose the ability to have any depth. Now Bar- you know say Marquise Haynes goes down, you know, in a few weeks, that means Barno's got to start. Now there's nobody behind Barno that yeah. can actually make an impactful play. Same with, you know, someone like Eric Rowe. Say Von Bell goes down. Mm-hmm. Now you got to throw Eric Rowe back there, and, yeah. and then you lose that guy who can play that nickel position because all three of our starting cornerbacks have either played, either saw zero action during OTAs or only a little bit of action. Mm-hmm. And that is, is frightening, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really – we saw, obviously, the impact it had in Tampa Bay last year to have your two starters down, and, and Keith Taylor and, and CJ have so much potential. But I just think that – you know, there's just no way that they can go into it with not. I, th- I could see them going for a guy more like Byron Jones, mm-hmm. a cornerback who might not want as much money. I think Marcus Peters would definitely want a bigger contract. Yeah. Um, Ronald Darby, I think, you know, I-, I wouldn't put the money on Ronald Darby per se. Um, if they wanted to go safety, like Adrian Amos is a guy that was always yeah. interesting, but they, that's one of those guys they've danced around for with a while. Um, the thing with Jadavian Clowney, that's the same way. Like, I just don't think he would provide any reasoning, and it would be cool to see the kind of the hometown, but. Yannick Ngoku, that's like that's the main one. Yeah, that's... and 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 the thing about you know Ngakwe is he's he's young, right? Like you know he's only twenty eight. I think like sometimes like he's been around a couple teams, and I think that can scare some people because like why can't he stay on the team? What you know what's going on? What what's you know why didn't Indy resign him? Why didn't Baltimore resign him? Right? So it's like it, it's one of those things where you're like. Is he as good as we think? Think he is. I think he's been on the Raiders too. Like, is he as good as he, you know he think as as we want to evaluate him because he's so young. But I think at the same time, like 
he could be a guy that, like you said, is a chess piece, right? A guy that may, he may not be your main pass rusher, but a guy who can come in and make make a play on on a big third down, a big second down, or something like that, and back you know back that opposing offense up. And then back to that cornerback discussion. The one thing about corners and why you can't have too much is look at the wide receiver rooms around the league. You know, like I mean, they're stacked, right? You got to have practically number ones all over the place, right? You got to have a number one slot guy. You got to have a number one left corner. You got a number one right corner. I mean, there ain't no number one, number two nickel no more. Like, mm-hmm. that, like that's not even how it works anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's one of, the thing, one of those things where you got to have guys everywhere. And, yeah, Byron Jones, I think, is, a, is an interesting one um, just because, like, he was a, a top corner, what, like two years ago, maybe. So, like, to, to if you, I always feel like as players get older, if you put them in the right role where they don't have to do as much, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a win-win. I mean, we went to the Super Bowl with, you know, people are so quick to forget. We went to the Super Bowl with Josh Norman, and then it was Charles Tillman, you know, um, it was uh, Charles Tillman, Roman Harper, uh, Trey Boston, uh, you know, Kurt Coleman, mm-hmm. um, and then it was Benet Ben Wickery, and then, um, you know, Cortland Finnegan. And we, I mean, those three, Roman Harper, Cortland Finnegan, and, and, and Charles Tillman, and they weren't just like, you know, kind of putzing around. They were making impactful plays mm-hmm. late in the game. And so I think that you definitely for cornerbacks, and they're going to find out real quick. You talk about, the, you know, the receiver room. I mean, they're going to find out real quick how brutally, brutally outmatched we are in that position. You're going to be, you see Seattle week three, yeah. that all, already off the bat, Tyler, you know, Tyler Lockett, you know, um, and then of course, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And yep. then, um, you know, and then, um, um, oh God, help me. I can't remember his name. Um, you talking about Seattle? Yeah. You talking about DK? Yes, thank you. Yeah. And then DK Metcalf as well. Yeah. So they've got already three just ridiculous receivers. And then the next week, you know, I mean, Minnesota is not as scary. But then you look at Detroit and Miami. I mean, yeah. Detroit's nothing to, you know, to sniff at with Jameson Williams mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, with um, with the guys they have. And then, of course, Miami, too. I mean, my, if, if there's a week oh, where yeah. they're going to be you, like... You're going to learn today. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, if they, we haven't signed a cornerback by then, Miami, post-Miami will be the week we go, okay, we need, a, we need a cornerback right now. I mean, and even looking within the division, um, New Orleans, they have a lot of talent. Right, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. Uh, they want to grab Jarvis Landry a little late. They can bring him back if they want to. Yeah. Right. Uh, and Tampa Bay. I mean, I mean Tampa Bay. I mean they may not have the quarterback, but they got guys who are going to get open. Mm. Right. Uh, Mike, Mike Evans is still Mike Evans until proven otherwise. Um, Chris Godwin is still, you know, he's still going to be good. So I mean, it just it, it really just depends. You know, it it just depends uh, on kind of. If they feel like they have enough, or if they feel like they need kind of that extra guy, I think another guy who I know, I know, I I I know, I understand. Don't get mad at me, you know. Don't don't cut the show off. Don't don't dislike it. Don't you know unhard it from your favorites. But a guy who could be a potential depth piece may not be that guy, right? But he could be a potential depth piece. He played the number two for uh, Cincy last year. Eli no, Apple. absolutely no. Eli Apple, right? No, absolutely not. Like, now, albeit, look, I'll, I'll say it. I, I'll say it. Uh, I, I don't think it's a great move, but I think in terms of if you need somebody to come out and make a play every so often, maybe, right? Now, I mean, I, I know, right? I, I understand. Yeah, I can't I, do it. You know, I, I understand. I, considering, I mean, there's better options out there, right? Yeah. But if you're talking about a guy who's probably going to be cheap, who's probably, you know, he's, he's got be the better <laughs> presence, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl, I don't know. You, you you might have to take the chance. Uh, I mean, the only reason I would say it is because 
when he had his more impactful role in the last few years would have been in Cincinnati. Yeah. And then you have the ability to bring him in with Von Bell. That's the mm-hmm. only reason that I would say, you know, maybe I could see it is yeah. you have the, you know, the connection there and the chemistry off the bat, which we like, we tried to have, you know, uh, with CJ Henderson and some of the guys that we were, that he had brought in. I just, I don't think that, you know, I just, I, I think that if you're going to go back to cornerback position, like you need someone, I think, like you said, the, the better, the older, reliable, you know, Marcus Peters is an interesting pick. The same with Ronald Darby. I just think it will be um, it will be something that they're going to take a lot of time to evaluate, and I think might even come more so in the form of a trade yeah. than it does in free agency. Yeah. And Daniel Hunter is another guy who could be a depth piece if they want to if, if they want to bring in you know a good veteran guy who you know can rush the passer too, mm-hmm. to run a little bit of everything. I think you know they've, they've been saying that people you know they've had multiple talks with different teams. I could see as being one of those teams. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't be shocking to me. Um, I think that I wouldn't mind a linebacker. I, I think that, you know, going into it with the group we have, I'm a little concerned about. And I think there are, I mean, Leonard Floyd would have been a great, you know, great one to put in there. Yeah. And I think that that was, I think he gave a big discount to, you know, uh, to them, to the Bills, to, you know, have a content, chance for a contender, you know. And I think that that's the, the thing that you're going to get with these free agencies also, free agents also, is that there's going to be a little, you know, a little slow to, 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 to take a chance on Carolina just because mm-hmm. of, the you know, just the the way the organization set itself up the last few years. A bit, there's a little bit of uncertainty there, where you don't have as much uncertainty with the guys who people are touting as contenders per yeah. se. Right? I mean, I think I think Carolina is still uh, probably one year away from where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got a chance to make some real noise this season. Oh, absolutely. Think, you know, but I think you know it's still gonna. It's, you know, there's there's a lot of gelling and meshing that you know comes with this too. Yeah, I mean, you had it's your first year with this with this coaching staff. I mean, that's the you know. That that's you can't. It doesn't matter how good your team looks on paper. It, it's going to take a while to get things going, and mm-hmm. so I think that that's definitely we have a chance to make some splashes. Absolutely, you know the NFC South. Uh, it's really dependent upon I think how the Saints can stay consistent and with their new head coach, you know how they can continue what the Saints have normally done, and then for the Falcons as well. If you know they they talk a lot of talk and they've done a lot <laughs> to you know put this team together, and I, I've seen you know flashes of what I think it could be. And then as far as the NFC overall goes, I think, you know, the NFC has always, you know, been at a different level than the AFC. The AFC has always been a bit more, you know, a lot more teams in the field than the NFC yeah. has in, in, in years past. And I think obviously with Aaron Rodgers leaving, that's created even more of a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the NFC North, the NFC East is going to be, a, you know, I, I think another free-for-all again. Yeah. I, I could see it going, depending upon how long, you know, Saquon Barkley sits out. And then the NFC, um, you know, the NFC West – is again another just kind of it's anybody's game up there. Yeah. We don't really know that, that's another that's wide open. Like you have your either set like one two teams for each division in the AFC, but with the mm-hmm. NFC, a lot of them are just wide open. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to uh, as we wrap up. I do want to say this and ask this question actually. And if you haven't answered my question out there yet, be sure to answer this. I'm gonna ask it to you, and it's also for y'all too. Question is, what's your favorite? game or the game you're looking most forward to when it comes to the, this this season. I, I mean, for what for whatever reason, I, I, I like that Texans game. I don't know what it is. I think it's the rookie-on-rookie rookie yeah. battle. I mean, you know, it's like two young teams. Like, you just, you don't know what you're going to get from either one of them. I mean, that, that's 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 a fun game to me. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one the NFL is hoping for, you know, to be another kind of generational one. That's the new, you know, supposed to be, that's hopefully the new, you know, Joe Burrow versus Mahomes. You know, that's mm-hmm. going to be hopefully what they want. They always love the one-two matchups. You know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Yeah. You know, 
uh, uh, Zach Wilson, you know, and, and guys like that. Like that's always uh, an intriguing thing. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I thought you know that could even be a Thursday nighter. I just there's you know not enough I think on either team to do it. I think it could be flex potentially. Um, it's intriguing. You know, there's a lot of different ones. Obviously, the Chicago one sticks out. The oh, Chicago yeah. one has a lot riding on it just because of the fact that, you know, you you, you made the big move to do so, mm-hmm. and you have DJ Moore obviously coming back. And the Bears, it's going to be an interesting point. I, that many weeks in, the Bears could either be, you know, eight and one. They could be five and five. Like, I, they, they're, they're so... Open right who knows, now. Who knows what they're gonna do? Um, I think for me though, personally, the most intriguing game comes pretty early on, and and that's the home opener. Oh, yeah. I mean, the home opener is you know coming out of Atlanta and having we haven't had two divisional games back to back. The Panthers have not had two divisional games back to back in a while. They haven't had a Monday night game since 20, 2018 Wow, against the Saints. Um, back in when they hosted. That was the last Monday night game they played. And so I think that one, you know, you're either going to, you could, I mean, like, depending upon how it goes, you could either be one one the division, you could be already down a game, you could be, I mean, you're going to be two weeks into the year and already, like, two divisional games in is going to be impactful for the rest of your season going forward. Yeah. And so Bryce's first, you know, chance to be at home, the Saints' defense has not gotten any worse. They've lost a couple pieces, but they've not, you know, been worse off for it. Yep. And so I think that that is scary to watch, yeah. to see how that front seven is going to do against our offensive line. And what's Derek Carr going to do? So that, you know, I mean, Derek Carr was, I think, a good a good acquisition for the Saints. He's reliable and has somehow been able to be, you know, at least impactful in the dumpster fire that is the you know the Las Vegas Raiders and everything that's gone on that organization since he's gotten there. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not forget he took he's taken them to the playoffs two different times. Yeah. And if it weren't for his injury back however many years ago it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was on an MVP route there. Yeah, and even, was. you know, uh 2 years ago, he was the a, a big piece into doing so. And so I think that they will be able it'll be more on the head coach for the Saints I think to see how he, they can kind of make the system all work but that's going to be a battle you know of new coaches a battle of new teams it's a, it'll be the first like the first matchup in the new era for the NFC South the whole NFC South is completely different now yeah. and so this will be the big like you know our first rivalry game against the Saints and that's mm-hmm. the one you want to pencil in yep. you know it's going to be Monday night it's going to be packed Bryce's yeah. first game as a starter or more than likely I think that one's that one's pretty big that one, that one's going to be uh, a very. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell that early on, but you know, outside of that, I think like Chicago is probably yeah. my, my my. Those are my two ones. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely going to be some fun ones on the schedule. I'm I'm, I'm definitely excited to see uh, how how things play out the rest of this off season. Uh, you know, I can't wait, but I know if I blink too hard, it's going to be here tomorrow. So it is, and I think you know, it's another one where you got to take a look at just look at the schedule, and I mean, it's a tough schedule for mm-hmm. this team to hit off in its first year, and I think you know. Going even eight and nine, nine and eight is a win yeah. at the end of the book. And you got because a lot of these games, I mean, Minnesota, Detroit, Dallas, you know, Jacksonville, those are all really 50 50 games. Those yeah. could be, uh, those could be coin flips. There's mm-hmm. a lot of games that could be coin flips. Depends on, on which version of those teams show up. Yeah. And we've seen last year's NFL, there was more up and down from teams than I've ever seen before. It yeah. was unbelievable. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, the league is definitely a, any given Sunday type of league. Now. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, they said that for a long time, but I think 
right now in, in this era of football, it's definitely uh, any Absolutely. given Sunday. You never know what's going to happen. But, Jack, I appreciate you for coming by. I definitely hope to have you on again. I know I will. Uh, um, but also, real quick, Panthers updates. This this is the man. This, this is the man you want to come to for the Panthers updates. Jack Taylor TV on Twitter. Uh, if I get it wrong, let me know. Uh, right. But, you, got it. Uh, you know, Jack Taylor TV on Twitter. Follow him. And he'll keep you updated, not only on Carolina Panthers, but anything. Any, anything sports, Charlotte-wise, this is the man to go to. Uh, definitely appreciate you for coming by. Thank you uh, for having me, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and until the next time that, that we meet on, on the show, uh, definitely hope you guys enjoyed the show. This is the Keep Prowling Podcast. Once again, I appreciate Jack for coming by, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.